Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. We're launching house churches this year. It's totally different than what we've done before. It's a significant shift. House churches, which will communicate why they're different and the shifts that's going on. But for us, it's the primary environment for life in the kingdom and discipleship to Jesus Christ. Jesus calls the church to make disciples, yet so many churches, and we included in that, we are included in that, have celebrated something else other than discipleship. And we just said, we're not, we're, we're not gonna be good at all the other things. We really need to be focused on being good at making disciples and producing the kind of disciple that lives a countercultural lifestyle. That's gonna be contested. House churches are gonna be contested. If you get plugged in this year, I know for a fact you will experience a more authentic communal life, family life in house churches. If you commit to learning to practice the way of Jesus in your own life, I know you will experience personal transformation. Your marriage will be transformed because we're talking about serious things here. With all of that knowledge, I thought we really have to do our work of being aware of the battle that is in front of us. So the spiritual warfare series came out of this understanding that as we head into new territory, we have to carry this new awareness of a spiritual warfare worldview. So if you haven't shown up to church over the last three weeks, weeks or four weeks, excuse me, or didn't podcast any of the talks, I just really encourage you to go back because every week has been building on top of itself up until this point. So we have this, this three, three weeks of teaching on spiritual warfare worldview, the ministry of Jesus through the gospels, and then one particular story of deliverance and how we are to exercise the authority of Christ and power of Christ in our own life, in his authority and power, um, to participate in bringing deliverance and healing everywhere we go. I gave you some practicals last week. Today, I want to frame discipleship as warfare. You with me? So uh, if you have a Bible, go to Galatians. And we're going to go to the end. So this sermon is going to be like a Quentin Tarantino film uh, or the movie Memento. We're going to start at the very end, and we're going to go backwards, and then we're going to come back to it. Does that sound like fun? You guys good? Should be fun. So Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. So it says this, verse 22. Of Galatians chapter 5. I love hearing the sound of pages flipping in the wind. Bless you, brothers and sisters. Flip away. But the fruit of the Spirit, all right, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. So this is a famous passage for most Christians. It's a li- the kind of life that's produced by the Spirit. It's called the fruit of the Spirit. And I believe that these are all countercultural characteristics of a God-filled life. And that if we learn the way of, that Paul's trying to instruct us to live in the Spirit, to keep in step in the Spirit, if we learn to partner with God in our own transformation over a long period of time, we will experience these fruits 
and a greater measure of these fruits in our life if we walk and submit to the Spirit in our day-by-day moment. So in other words, the goal is as we live our lives with Christ and learn to walk in the Spirit and keep in step in the Spirit day-by-day, we at the age of 80, 70 and 80 will be full of more peace than we were in our 30s and 40s. The goal should be, we're not angry old men, but we have more love and joy and, and more uh, exuberance for life at, in our older age. That's what Paul is hinting at here. And I think all of these beautiful statements like love and joy and peace and kindness and patience, uh, the, the context I've always read them in is a Hallmark movie or Hallmark card. Would you agree? Like, it's like these are the things that you send someone when they have a new baby. Like, may you experience joy and peace and patience and kindness. And it's like the Hallmark Channel, right, film. But, what, but Paul doesn't teach that. And I, I want to submit some ideas to you because some of this will be new. But the context is not a Hallmark card. Paul doesn't introduce this idea with the Hallmark card context. He introduces the fruit of the Spirit as characteristics developed in battle. Discipleship is warfare. You see, you are in a battle for your soul. Whether you follow Jesus or not, we have taught over the past few weeks that there are powers, authorities, spiritual forces, personal and impersonal, opposing and bending you into a particular way. Culture is not neutral. Every time you turn on your TV, every time you, f- you scroll through f- your Facebook feed, every time you place an order online, there are thousands of advertisements working to get you to buy into a different narrative other than the kingdom of God. There's no neutral territory. And Paul argues that in Galatians, there are actually two battlefronts that oppose the spirit life. We, we're, it's coming at us in both directions. Remember, so we're starting at the end. We're going to work backwards. So go to Galatians chapter 5, verse 13. We're just going to work backwards to chapter 4. So here he argues something else to the Galatian brothers and sisters. He says in verse 13 of chapter 5, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. If you bite and devour each other, watch out, or you will be destroyed by each other. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for The flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want, but if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. So here Paul says the spirit is at war with the flesh. And the flesh is not physical body. It's a a phrase Paul uses for the self-desires, you could say sinful nature, the, the selfish way of existence. So it's the, the spirit is at war with you going inward and only focusing on yourself, your appetites, your lusts, your desires. It's what liberal Christianity uh, leans towards, this, this freedom. We're free in Christ. 
This is the argument. So we can do whatever we want. We can have premarital sex. We can smoke weed every day. We can drink as much alcohol in moderation. We, we don't need a law anymore. That's done away with. So it moves us towards freedom without limitation. Freedom without boundary. And freedom without meaning and purpose leads to excess and impurity. But freedom with limitation, Paul will argue, leads to meaningful abundance. And so we're at war with the things of the flesh. And he, he talks about the flesh, the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you I did be, as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And so we see that that when we, we practice freedom without restraint, freedom without limitations, it leads us towards self-focus and selfish desires. And Paul says the spirit is opposed to that. It's at war. So if we're walking down this path, this will pull us to the left. I guess that's your right. Pull us to my left, you're right. <laughs> right? And so when we, when we practice freedom without limitation, and, and the lie of the liberal Christianity is this, do whatever is inside of your heart. That's the lie, Right? Like the, the thing that you discover deep inside of you is the truest thing about you. But Jesus argues in Mark chapter seven, he says, what comes out of a person is what defiles them. For it is what within, from within, out of a person's heart, that evil thoughts come, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and defile a person. The spirit is at war with the flesh. We have to see it as a battle. We are battling within ourselves. It's that passage in Paul that Paul writes in Romans, like I, I do what I don't want to do. I can't help it. It's that fleshly battle that we're being pulled to, to focus on our selfish needs and our selfish desires. And, and see, the spirit leads us to focus on others and the flesh leads us to focus on ourselves. The spirit leads us to serve other people. The flesh leads us to serve our desires. The spirit leads us to contribute and give and the flesh leads us to consume and take. The spirit leads us to find meaning and purpose in Christ, but the flesh leads us to find meaning and purpose in what we do and who we know and what we have. And Paul says, we are free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. Limit yourself based on the meaning and purpose of the law fulfilled in Christ. Love your neighbor as yourself. Did you catch that? Your freedom has this limitation about loving other people. That's the limitation. So when we put limitations on our freedom, it produces abundance in other places. So like a no here produces a yes way over here. Like an example of unrestrained freedom is your cell phone, smartphone. How many of you have smartphones? Raise your hands. It's like 99%. Everyone but John, that's true. I, I tell John, I hate group texting you because it's green. <laughs> huh. So your cell phone, like you don't give a self a smartphone to a child. Why would you do that? You give them access to infinity and they could be exposed to all sorts of evils on the internet. You, you put restrictions on a kid's phone if you give them a phone at all. In your own life, why do we allow ourselves unlimited access to everything? And what's the number one thing distracting you from your relationship? It's probably your phone. 
It's that glaring screen at the end of the night as you sit at, in isolated islands from each other if you're married. And you know what I'm talking about, that glow. And so you start turning over, pretending to sleep and hide it under the covers. Can I get, anyone want to confess? All right, that's what I thought. So things like, hey, what if you didn't have emails on your phone? What? Not being accessible to, um, at 100% of the time? Or no social media for a while? Those limitations, or putting your phone shut, imagine shutting your phone off for a day. Gasps. So that's one example of who knows about the abundance there. Uh, I shared this story before, but when my son started to walk, we were living on 3rd Street, and our house at the time didn't have a fence between the detached garage and the house into the driveway. The driveway led to the front of the, the, the house to the street. And so we would always open the back door, but we would have to go and walk Ezra out there and supervise his activity because there was uh, doom along the way if he would have gone towards the cars and out the driveway into the street. But then one day we had this idea, I'm sure it was Alex's idea, of putting up a baby gate, because all the good ones come from her, um, putting up a baby gate between the detached garage and the house. And that tiny baby gate gave us this abundant freedom. We can open up our back door, let Ezra come in and out of the house as a little child, knowing that there was security and abundance. That little limitation gave us this crazy freedom where we had like another 4,000 square feet in our house because of the backyard. And we, we were at ease. We weren't anxious and worried about him falling into the dangers of the front yard where there's cars. It gave us peace of mind. Do you see? One limit, limitation leads to abundance. Do you guys get it? This is what Paul's saying. Now, I want to get really practical. And I, I, I've shared this before. And I caution sharing this again. Just because I'm afraid that it will make me look like I have moral superiority or it will, it will become a rule or legalistic in our church. And that's not at all why I'm sharing this. I want to share from my personal experience. I teach our, our, our pastors and teachers that when, when you get to a text, you got to ask the question, what's the text doing in you? What's, where do you see this in your life? Well, I see this passage in my life. Um, and, and a couple years ago, two years ago, the Lord was talking to me about alcohol. Didn't have a problem drinking. I wasn't addicted to alcohol. Drank casually. Drank with moderation, of course. I was a pastor. But the Lord kept bringing it up in dreams, with my wife, in discussions. And so about a year and a half ago, I decided to do, do a 40-day fast from alcohol. And then I did the 40 days, and I realized I, I wasn't released from the fast. And so I was like, I'll go another couple of months. I went another couple of months. Things were really good. I really enjoyed that life. I, all, I had to change the places I ate. I, I was the awkward guy drinking a LaCroix when guys were hanging out at, you know, around bonfires, talking about whatever they talk about at bonfires. And, but I'll tell you, it led to, I'll do it for a year. And now it's a year and a half later. And for right now, I'm not saying it's indefinite. I just feel like it's a lifestyle I was invited into and a decision that I'm choosing because of all the crazy abundance I've experienced by fasting alcohol for a year and a half. And what, what do I mean by that? Well, this, the last year and a half has been the greatest season of my entire life. Without, without exaggeration. Like, my intimacy with my wife has been the best it's ever been in 10 years of marriage. Uh, my, I was talking to my friend. I was like, when was the, the fire season? The, when, when were you on fire for the Lord? And they're like, back in college, I went to YWAM. That was like the season where it was just crazy. We were on mission every day. And they're like, when was it for you? I'm like, honestly, it's right now. Like, right now, 
I am more connected to Jesus than I've ever been in my entire life. And I feel more of his presence and, and confidence in the Lord than I've ever been. And, and I'm tracing like my presence to my sons and the way I am at home. And, and people, I was concerned I, would be a, you know, I wouldn't be a witness to people because they would think I'm weird. I've had more powerful conversations about sobriety and giving up this freedom than when I didn't have it, when I used to do theology on tap at the local bar. Like I... Have gave this thing that is complete freedom. It's not a rule. It's not legalistic. It was an invitation. And it's produced this crazy abundance in my life with Jesus, in my physical health, in my parenting, in my marriage, in my leadership at the church. So I might go back to it if God invites me and releases me, but this tiny limitation, like giving up alcohol, has produced this abundant life. What are the things in your life that you're indulging in? That are... Green light's for most people, but maybe for you, obedience is a no. It's a red light. Paul says, don't use your freedom to indulge in the flesh. You with me? Are we good? He says in Galatians 5, let's keep working backward. So we, we have one way. The spirit is at war with the flesh. Ephesians 5, or Galatians 5, verse 1. It is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Oh, that's a good st- sentence right there. He set us free for freedom. So we're not going back to the law. We're not going back to live by rules and regulations. We're set free for freedom's sake. But then he says, verse one, stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. We're not to be enslaved. Now what he's referring to is what happened before. Remember, we're going memento style. So go to verse four, or chapter four, verse eight. We're going to talk about something contextual, but it really speaks to us today. Are you guys doing good? Good. Anyone see the fight? Man, I was rooting for McGregor. I didn't see it. I was, I was asleep. Um, I had to wake up early and prep and have a little kid, but I was online. At like 10.30, I woke up. I'm like, who won? And I could not believe it. I was bummed, but apparently 50 and 0, man. 50 and 0. Okay. Uh, just, just, just give me a distraction. Okay, because we're going to, it's about to get, if you thought we're like, it's about to go here right now. Get ready. Here we go. Verse eight, formerly when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods or false gods. When you didn't know God, you were slaves to those who by nature were not gods or those that were false gods. But now that you know God, or rather you are known by God, I love that clarification, how is it that you are turning back, or the word is converting back, to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? And go to verse three of chapter four. So also when we were under age, we were in slavery under the elemental spiritual forces of the world. Okay. We're talking about spiritual warfare. Now, before you were in Christ, Paul is arguing in Galatia that they were enslaved to miserable forces, to weak and miserable forces, to elemental spiritual forces. He's talking about demonic activity, powers and principalities and forces. We've done all this research on this. We've talked about it. He's saying before Christ, you were enslaved to demonic forces. But how? Well, in the rest of the chapter in Galatians, chapter four, in context, he's saying these people were enslaved to idol worship and other gods. 
They didn't know God, so they worshiped other gods. They were using their love and misdirecting their love. They were worshiping false deities. But what are the idols that Paul is confronting in Galatia? Because if you read Galatians, it's a very unique book because Paul comes at them hard. He is aggressive. He says they're preaching a false gospel, a gospel other than the one they preach. What are they doing that is so serious that Paul's saying, you're turning back, you're converting from Christ to other gods that are powered, empowered by spiritual forces of demonic force. He says they're turning back to their former way of living. And if you read Galatians, what the church is doing is going back to Torah observation. They're Christians who are now turning to legalism. Christians who are turning to obey the the commandments of the Old Testament, the Sabbath laws. This was a big deal in the first century. They're called Judaizers, and they were disrupting the church. They were forcing the church to worship um, through through legalism and through practicing these, these heavy burdens of the law. And Paul will argue extensively in context in Galatians that Jesus fulfilled the law. He did away with the law. And them turning back, they're simply turning back to the things of the world. This is what Paul's saying. So in context, this legalistic mosaic law uh, observation, Paul's saying that they're turning back to the things of the world and the things of the world have been corrupted by spiritual beings who are keeping people from obeying God's life, from living God's life in the way of the Spirit. So what he's saying is don't be enslaved to your old way of thinking and behavior, which has been corrupted by the enemy. Don't operate in the world like you once did. You were, uh, so one way we become enslaved is through the flesh and its desires focusing inward. The other way we get enslaved is by focusing on the things of the world. You could say that the Spirit is at war with the cultural idols of our day. The spirit is at war with the things of the world. Stay with me. I'm not, so listen to what I'm saying. The things of the world are cultural idols of our day. Paul is specific to the Galatian context. He's saying that the Galatian church was simply accommodating their faith to customs and practices of culture of their day. They were accommodating practices and customs And they began to worship cultural idols of their day. Are you with me? Cultural idols of their day. I was thinking, I I started wrestling with this this week. I was like, oh my gosh, like what would Paul say to our church? Like, let's just say he was here in Long Beach for a month and Seal Beach. We'll include Seal today. No, you guys, you guys are highly favored. I'm there all the time. What would he say? So if you, if you don't mind, I just took the liberty of trying to write a letter from Paul to our church. Is that okay? But here, we're going to go right here, okay? Okay. Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. I'm just going to read it. To the saints of Long Beach, grace and peace to you from God the Father, and Seal Beach, from God the Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. I don't have much time, and I want to get straight to the point. How quickly you have reconverted to your former ways of life. 
I have seen how you live in your comforts and securities. I have witnessed the elemental powers of your shopping malls and your online temples dedicated to the former gods. I can see how the life of the kingdom is so easily threatened by your insatiable consumption. Your capitalist culture has produced a life driven for more and excess. You have become identified by dollars and cents rather, rather than being known for your contribution of love for others. I have seen how your dreams of ownership and career has, have led to an oppressive slavery of debt and an inheritance of burden rather than one of stewardship and freedom. I have seen your excessive need for escape. You find ways to live in leisure and comfort, and it's creative. You're constantly entertaining yourselves with online streaming every chance you get. Rather than prayer and service and attentive listening to the Spirit, you fill your appetites with expensive hobbies and shows. I have seen how tired all of you are, working endlessly to protect your fragile kingdoms. You compare yourselves to your brothers and sisters only to compete exhausting yourselves by, as your poets say of the day, keeping up with the Kardashians. <laughs> Do you not know the model we have been given is to lay down our lives, to owe nothing but love for our brothers and sisters, and rather than compete to sacrifice? Saints, I have learned what it means to be content. I, how to find rest in the endless work of Christ. How to live without fear of death or fear of man or the endless desire for more. I have learned the secret. It is found in Christ. It is found in the eclipsing beauty of what Christ comes to bring. All the security and comfort you find in what you can earn, what you can achieve, what you can make with your own hands and what you can learn is nothing compared to what you will receive in the ongoing loving relationship with Jesus our Savior. When you truly learn to seek him first with everything you have, all these things will be overshadowed by his love. You will receive everything you need in this life and the one to come and receive it with abundance. My beloved children, hear my heart and listen to my words. Your frantic connection and distraction through social media and smartphones are producing a fragile life of anxiety and burnout. What use will you have in building his kingdom if you are constantly disconnected by the illusion of connection? Some among you have made their goal upward mobility, privacy, and comfort with the classes as an idol to be obtained. Do you not know our king made himself nothing and descended his divine nature to live among the poor? Brothers and sisters, what has caught your eye? What has caused you to turn back to your formal way of living? The Spirit is against these things of the world. Remember these simple ways of consumerism and materialism and connectivity and distraction. Your need for success and man's approval are not lifeless, lifeless idols. They are the world's liturgy of death and destruction. These things controlled by our enemy who is working so creatively to distract you from your true identity in the Savior. Christ has set you free from such attachments. Don't be allowed, don't allow these strongholds to leave you powerless and unproductive in the ways of the Lord. Remember who you are. For you are more than a conqueror. You have been set free, set apart, holy, pure, and cleansed by our Lord Jesus. He calls you his beloved. 
You are partners with God in the renewal of all things. You have been handcrafted and created as God's masterpiece for good works. You are ministers of reconciliation. You, in you, there are greater works to be done. So give up the old way of life. No longer be defined by the things of the world and keep in step with the Spirit. Send my love to all the house churches and house church leaders. All you servants who work endlessly to bring others to face in Christ without hesitation, without fear. To those serving in Alpha Ministries this year, welcoming the outsiders to faith. Those preparing outside the hospitality, your reward is great in the kingdom. To all you volunteers and children and youth workers who work to see the next generation of youth and kids know and partner with Jesus, grace and peace to you. You labor not in vain. To those who pray and intercede so courageously, remember the Lord hears you. To those who give God's Go, those who give God, you will see, God sees what is done in secret to those who lead our worship, the worship of, of our church. May you ex- continue to be led to worship God privately in your own hearts. And remember, brothers and sisters, to pray always, be family, be content with what you have and share everything you have for freely you've received, freely you give. So peace, brothers and sisters, with love and faith from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Grace to all you who love Lord Jesus with the undying love, Paul and he left his Twitter, Real Apostle Paul, <laughs> at Real Apostle Paul. We become enslaved to the things of the world. Are you with me? The strongholds of false belief and narratives have produced a fragile life as a disciple. There are no neutral idols in our lives. These things are giving us meaning and purpose and significance outside of Christ. So therefore, discipleship is warfare. The spirit is at war with things of the world and the spirit is at war with the flesh. And our quest this next season is to become disciples of Jesus who live countercultural lives. And that means we have to go to battle. And so to start where we, to end where we started in Galatians chapter five, verse 22 The life we're shooting for is but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have, past tense, crucified their flesh with its passions and desires. since, Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. We must become people who flourish in our culture and society with all of its hostility if we're going to see this thing called Christianity move forward, we must commit to discipline and holiness. We must realize that we have power to do something in this world. We must learn to develop healthy relationships and meaningful relationships. We must learn to be present in the age of distraction. We must practice joy and hope and love. Most of all, we need to learn to walk in the Spirit. So let me remind you, we have an enemy who's working against you. And you can't, so we can't just say that the goal is to become this kind of person and take on new habits and behaviors. We have to confront the powers that are working at us, against us. That's the whole point of the series, is to get to here. The whole point arrives to this moment that I simply want to name the powers and the strongholds that are working against you in our church, in your life, and in our city. I believe we have a responsibility as a church to become free in Christ. And when we become set free from these strongholds, from these powers working against us, it gives us the key to freedom for our city. 
Because what you received, we're called to give away. So brothers and sisters, with a city, city struggling so, with so much struggle, we need to become a place of freedom. We need to become people of freedom, set free from these things so that we can be useful in the kingdom. Does that make sense? So here's what I want to put on the screen and invite you to consider, and then we're going to worship, and then I'm going to come back up, and I'm going to call you forward if any of these things relate to you. And here's my guess, is it's probably all of us. And if that's the case, there's still a response of coming forward and responding because I want to see God set us free. Does that make sense? Okay, so here's what I have. The strongholds I want to name. And remember we talked last week about naming the pain or the opposing forces. There's a mysterious power in naming them. And so I did that last sermon to get to here because I want us to experience this freedom. So the first thing I want to call out is I'm putting them together. This, some of us are, have strongholds over our lives dealing with fear, anxiety, or hopelessness. I'm going to throw insecurity in there. That we're struggling with fear, anxiety, insecurity, and hopelessness. The second one is some of us are struggling with fatigue and exhaustion, physical fatigue and exhaustion. Um, and this also is the need for escapism, that you find yourself checking out from the responsibilities of life. Finding ways through shows, alcohol, other means, other relationships to, to escape from the responsibility that is hard in your life. In some ways, alcohol was an escape for me. TV shows become escape for me. And then when you get those out of your life, you realize there's all this stuff underneath the surface that I need to deal with that's causing me to push for escape. The third is sexual struggles and addiction. I just feel like there's um, over our city, there's some type of sexual stronghold that we need to call out and identify. And I think it's in our church as well. So many of us are addicted to pornography. So many of us, even in our marriages, have a massive struggle sexually. And we don't talk about it because it's not something that you talk about, but we have to talk about it. We have to name it. And we have to recognize there's powers over us. So it's not just read the book and get that software on your screen. That's part of it on your, or on your, on your computer. It's about confronting the powers and principalities that are corrupting men in the country and worldwide. And when we confront them and we name that, men and women, we can begin to address the freedom that's within our church. Is that, are you guys with me still? Comfortability masquerading as lukewarm Christianity. You could even say cool masquerading. So lukewarm Christianity masquerading as comfortability and coolness. I just think I would put cool, convenient, or comfortable in that same phrase. We've just made it so convenient, haven't we? I'm, I'm, this is me. I just realized how convenient I make the scripture sound when I read it. I don't t like the nations. I, I totally skip the nation piece. Oh, just go wherever you go, make some disciples. He calls us to the nations, you and I. I should, there's no way he wants to use me. For, yes, he does. But what are the other things that we just make, we just push it off because it's inconvenient to our lifestyle? Preaching. Individualism. Number five is individualism, isolation. And this is a big one for the millennials. Self-actualization through your work. You could even say you've, we've elevated our calling I just got to find my calling in life. What? Like, go to work, get a job. It's not, 
It's, it's not going to fulfill all of your desire. Nothing will except God. You do this with spouses? I just need to find a spouse. They're going to fulfill that need. No, they're not. And if you bring that into marriage, it's destruction. But this idea that I, I just feel like there's something here where we're individual, we're isolated, we're, um, we're just the self-actualization through work. It's this, this generation that we just want to be extraordinary. And like, we just are so different than everyone else. But like, Jesus just makes the ordinary so extraordinary. He just wants you to do ordinary things extraordinarily well. Like, so get off the high horse if I'm some, someone special. Like, Jesus picked the nobodies and trusted them with the kingdom to breach the nation. So if you're, if you're like me and a nobody, good. Be it proudly. Don't compare. Don't look left and right. Don't isolate. Be in community and go after it. Okay, I'm gonna, I'm, these are, this is a whole, this, I've been, I literally have been sitting with this for like three months, these things. I've been praying. And I just so desperately, even now, I just don't want you to miss it because I know it's in me and I know it's in us. If we could just be real and authentic for a moment and just say, yeah, I've, yeah, this is me. The, the other one is the consumerism, materialism. I call it the cult of mammon. It's what Jesus talks about. You can't have two masters. But I would also just throw in this comparison, keeping up with the Kardashians. We just compare. And we've defined ourselves by this. And so it's, it's really, this is a huge struggle in Southern California. This, we, it's like I am, I, I purchase, I think therefore I am. I buy something, therefore I am. I think that's our, our motto. It's, cons, it's just constant consumerism. And anytime we talk about not like challenging it, or we talk about giving more away, it's just met with massive defense. Like, could you actually live minimalist, simplistic lives? Like, if you want the lifestyle, of, life of Jesus, you need the lifestyle of Jesus. Why do we think we can live this whole other lifestyle with excess and experience the life of Jesus when the excess is the thing bro- blocking the lifestyle, the life? That was a little confusing. So I don't know how to make, just go and edit that later in your mind. Okay, the last one is unforgiveness. <laughs> The, basically, like, why do we think we can have the life of Jesus without accept, experiencing his lifestyle? Like, why can we be, live so differently than Jesus, like, in our culture and age, and expect that we'll have this thing that he offers us? We have to begin to practice the lifestyle practices of Jesus. Not as a form of legalism, not as a form of a prosperity promise, but that's where the secret lies. This is what, what Dallas Willard calls the easy yoke. This is the way to the easy yoke. You're stressed and anxious and burnt out. Well, Jesus didn't have a phone and he walked everywhere. Maybe you should disconnect a little bit and that simple discipline will help with your anxiety that you're getting diagnosed at the doctor with when it could be confronted by just not being available to every single person in your life. Like one little thing called say no. Say no. Don't say yes or maybe and change it. Just say no. And that stress that tears you apart, that's called anxiety, you won't have that because you'll learn to do the things that Jesus tells you to do and nothing else. Okay, again, this is all future stuff. The last one's unforgiveness. This is a massive one. We are, I've been talking about this for a long time, but we're harboring unforgiveness. We're harboring, if you, if you want to just crush the Spirit's work in your life, just hold a grudge. And then you'll just carry your prison around with you. To quote Star Wars. Right? Remember? No? No? Anyone? All right. 
So I want to invite you to the battle. I want to invite you to experience freedom, freedom from your flesh and freedom from the things of the world. I want you to experience the full life of Christ for the sake of our city, not just for your sake. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church Podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.